What's up? It's episode 78, Pain Points of Wealth, and markets have sparked a huge rebound over the course of the last couple of weeks, literally ending the quarter just down a little bit for the year. So what's the deal? Is this just a dead cat bounce? Markets are ready to fall off a cliff. We're going into recession because of high inflation. Or is this beginning of a huge booming bull market as the economy chugs along? We're going to give you our thoughts on that, our viewpoint on where things are going today. And on the tipping point, we're going to talk about all those false notions that you have when it comes to your financial independence plan that you need to eradicate from your brain to make sure that you can be financially free. Check it out. We got a great show. Welcome to the Pain Points of Wealth, the podcast that addresses the pain points that come with creating, growing, and sustaining your wealth, giving you a multi-generational perspective from three pains in a pod. Bob Payne, the boomer, Chris Payne, the millennial, and Ryan Payne, the generation somewhere in between. You know what, Ryan? It could be a dead cat bounce, but last time I checked, a cat has nine lives, and it feels like this market has had nine lives this past 10 years. And you know what? There's a ton of cash on the sidelines. Supply chains haven't fully moved yet. You know, my vote's to the upside, but who knows? Yeah, well, Chris, this is how it works. You know, people are emotional, right? We start off the beginning of 2022. The first day in, we start dropping, and we went straight down for the month of January and out of nowhere, right? And then out of nowhere, it turns around and is almost back to where we started back in January. That's what a correction is. It's driven by sentiment. And all you have to do is look at the sentiment readings of bulls the bears right now. I saw one of the most bearish readings in history, guys. Right. And that's kind of the contrarian way that markets work, right? It's always when we feel the worst, when we feel the most negative, it's almost like the darkest hours right before the dawn. And that's what we're seeing right now. But the interesting thing is too, with this big bounce that we're seeing, it's a lot of those more speculative assets that like Bitcoin, you know, we talk about Bitcoin a lot, obviously. And Bitcoin is having a huge move up right now. And I think that's indicative of the fact that people are feeling the animal spirits. You know, they want to go into the more speculative parts of the market. We're seeing tech stocks bounce big here, which says to me that if speculation's back, you know, that speaks to you could see a big melt up here. Well, you know what, Ryan, our best indicators are always our clients. And I can say over the last three, four days, I've had conversations with people you know, wanting to get back in that tech trade, like that meta ETF that's, you know, biggest holding is Apple. People are starting to ask about Bitcoin again. So people are definitely getting more bullish on that big tech trade and the crypto trade. Well, you know, you never discount the US consumer, guys. We have $2 trillion in excess savings that households can either save or spend. You know, people are less concerned about COVID, even though a lot of Americans are still contracting it. But three out of four Americans say they're ready to get going. They're ready to open up the country and get back to living. And I think you're going to see a big boom in the economy coming up this spring. Yeah. And I think the big argument is, right, because inflation's so high right now that inflation is going to outpace what wages are. And I call that stagflation like we saw in the 70s. And I am uh, actually recovering from COVID right now, as you can hear it in my voice. And believe it, it's not going to stop me from spending. But you know, I think the misconception here is, and this is something we keep kind of beating that dead horse. And Bob, you and I talked about this on our radio show today, is people forget that the market's not pricing in inflation today. The market's way past that. It's looking at inflation over the next 24, 30 months. And if you look at the bond market, and the bond market is much smarter than the stock market, or the bond gods are smarter than the equity gods, as we like to say, is you know, if you look at five-year inflation, it's closer to 3%. It's not that high, right? I mean, we're at 8% today, and it's going to go to 3%. That's a lot lower when you're talking about inflation. And right, that brings the whole conversation around to what's the market going to do 
with the Federal Reserve raising interest rates, we're already starting to see some inversions in rates and that shorter term rates are higher than longer term rates, which every headline I've read this week was that's a precursor to a recession. What do you guys think? I think it's a bunch of BS. I hate that indicator because there's so many times that the curve's inverted and we didn't go into recession, but economists, talking heads on TV love to talk about this. The other part you have to think about too is the government has manipulated the curve. Right? They bought, they have this $900 trillion balance sheet where they bought all these long-term bonds, which is keeping rates artificially low. Now this is getting a little wonky, but the point is it's a BS indicator. They always roll it out every couple of years and it doesn't necessarily mean we're going to recession. In fact, a lot of times it's been disproven so many times over and over again. Well, you know, we really just have to walk around. I've been doing a lot of traveling, starting to see clients again, and the airports are completely packed. The planes are packed. You can't get rental cars. So people are out there spending money. So, you know, if there's a recession on the horizon, it definitely doesn't seem like it out of the street. No, and I think initially you're going to have that price shock we've had from inflation, but, you know, wages are going up. But more importantly, it's people want to experience life again. And so I think you're going to see a big reopening of the economy. I think you're going to see great earnings and the market's fairly valued. You know, don't wait till somebody rings the bell or waves the flag. Best time to invest money is when you have it. Hey, Chris has a lot of it, I hear. I heard he's been winning a lot of money at the track these days. No, but in all seriousness, I mean, the other big issue you're hearing about right now is because rates are going up, obviously mortgage rates are going higher, right? The 30-year mortgage now, it's over 4%. And one of the big headlines I've seen all week is this is going to stop people from buying homes because now the prices have gone up. Home prices have to come down. People are going to be more skittish about buying. That means less people buying homes, less furniture to buy for their houses. It's a big percentage of GDP. That's going to slow the economy too. And I actually think that's BS as well, gentlemen. Well, I think that the housing market is being overwhelmed right now, and it's the hottest market I've ever seen. I don't think the first increase in rates is going to slow it down, right? I think that boom's going to continue. But if prices keep rising like they are, it's going to become unaffordable. And again, as I always say, the best cure for high prices is high prices. Now, where I do have some concerns are with anyone who still owns an open-ended bond fund. They're going down every day in price because yields are going up. And as we all know, with uh, bond prices and interest rates, they have an inverse relationship. So as interest rates go up, the price of bonds goes down. And that's particularly dangerous when you own an open-ended bond fund, which a lot of times has leverage. If the bond fund goes down 20%, that's at three times leverage, you know, you've got a 60% decline in the part of your portfolio that's supposed to be secure. I don't know about you guys, but that sounds like a really crappy deal. Well, you know, one of our big beliefs is you own your bonds outright because you get your interest on your bond, the bond comes due. And I mean, actually now with rates coming up, the bond market actually looks relatively attractive. Like Bob, you and I were talking with the bond managers we work with for our firm. And if you own a tax-free bond portfolio right now, your worst case scenario is you're getting something like 2.75% from now when the bond matures. Now that's tax-free. So to put that in perspective, if you're in a high tax bracket, that's like getting almost 5% on your money with almost like very little risk. And we haven't seen those kind of yields in a long time. So you know, interest rates going up. Now we've seen bond prices go down. That's not necessarily a bad thing if you want to be a bond buyer. And to me, if I can get almost 5% with very little risk, sign me up. Man, you heard it here from Ryan Payne, the bond king. Well, here we are, guys, into episode 78. And if you go back and listen to every one of our episodes, we were talking about the same thing. Inflation was clearly here, right? The Federal Reserve was going to have to act and raise interest rates. Was that the end of the world? No, of course not. It was only going to impact long-duration assets, which took the biggest tumble from the beginning of the year. We saw the NASDAQ down over 20%. We saw some of these disruptive, innovative technology stocks down 70 80%. And bond funds are going down on a daily basis 
it's time to get out of those. It's not too late. But here's the whole strategy. It's not over. It's not changed now. Just because we have value stocks outperforming growth right now and growth stocks starting to bounce back, don't be fooled, right? It's fool's gold. Stay away from it. Tech is still overvalued. You want to make sure you're diversified, but you want to be out of long duration assets or at least have a minimum participation rate. Hey, hope you're enjoying episode 78, Pain Points of Wealth. We appreciate your support. We're up to 75,000 downloads. If you like our content, love our content, please give us a support. Give us that five-star rating on iTunes. Give us a like on YouTube. Click that little notification bell and that subscribe button so you can be updated every week of all our new content. The more support you give us, the more we can put this content out there. Thanks for the support. Give us a like. Give us a five-star rating. We appreciate you. All right, it's the tipping point. This is where we pinpoint the pain point. Of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E, having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. So Bob and Chris, you know, we manage like over a thousand relationships at our firm, Pain Capital Management. We do financial projections every single month, probably do like a thousand projections every single year for clients. And we find that a lot of times is, you know, we have a lot of big misconceptions or you have a lot of big misconceptions when your beliefs, when it comes to actual what it means to be financially independent, meaning like how much money you should have or you know, what it should actually look like to be financially independent. So I thought we could talk today about some of those false beliefs that you have that are dangerous and are probably ruining your financial life and then you need to eradicate them from your brain. Well, I think it's really dangerous when you build a house without a foundation and you build a financial plan without a foundation of a plan. Because if you're just sitting there arbitrarily coming up with some number, I mean, the goalposts will keep moving. I mean, it's just everybody gets more and they want more. You know, it's just the bad mindset. It just doesn't work. I want more. I want more. You know, I get that. No, but it's the vagueness, right? Like I need a million dollars to retire, which first off, we know today a million dollars doesn't get you much, right? Bob, you were talking about this guy. Wasn't he holding up a plane or something and he threatened? What was it? This guy was uh, probably drinking a little too much on the flight and they had to tie him up in the seat and he's yelling at the stewardesses, you don't understand. My parents are rich. They have a million dollars. They're millionaires. You're going to suffer for this. Yeah. Well, then that's exactly right, right? Because I mean, what is a million dollars today? What does it mean in context of your plan? And to your point, Bob, like not having a foundation is you're focusing on the wrong thing. What you have to think about is like, what do you need to spend every month, every year? And then you can go back and what we call just reverse engineer that. Then you can determine like, okay, I need a couple million bucks. And that's going to be different from you then your neighbor, right? It's not going to be the same for everybody. That's why you've got to run those numbers for yourself individually. Right. I was talking to a, a prospective client a few weeks back and they came in with their proverbial magic number, which actually, believe it or not, was a million dollars. And after going through and understanding truly what their expenses were, they were spending a lot more money than they thought. They didn't factor in unanticipated healthcare expenses. Like, you know, God forbid, if you have to go into some kind of facility, by the time we were done at retirement, they were going to need close to $4 million. So four times what they thought their quote unquote magic number was. And it gets worse than that because $4 million in 20 years is only $2 million because of inflation. So, I mean, these numbers, they get real and it gets real scary when you don't run the math on it. Now, that's the whole idea of planning is so that you can sleep at night and know that it's just one step at a time, right? Time passes, markets operate. You just need an overall plan to make sure that it's in place because if you wait 10 years, it's too late. You wait 20 years, it's way too late. So you want to be certain that you have a strategy. And inflation is something that's on everybody's mind. I bet you most of these plans have been run without that being projected, right? Yeah, all that means is you need even more money. So even that $50 million that I need, guys, it's not enough for that lifestyle I'm accustomed to. So you know, you guys got to start working harder so we can bring more business into our firm so I can have the lifestyle that I need. Let's be real. 
Well, let me tell you another thing that happens when you're a financial advisor and your clients are retiring. First of all, they don't have time to talk to you. They're so busy. They had no idea they would be that busy. And secondly, they thought, hey, these financial guys on TV told me I only needed 70, 80% of my after debt tax income to live on. And I'm at 125, 130% of what I used to spend when I was working. So that's a big myth right there that you're going to have less spending. Yes. Oh, it's the biggest misconception. And you should never run your financial projections on that because, and we know it, right? We have a lot of clients now, not only in their 70s, but 80s and some even in their 90s now. And you'll be amazed at the lust for life, even when you get into your mid to late 80s, going on trips, spending on the grandkids, all of that stuff. Like your lust for life doesn't go down. It's a misconception. And if anything, you know, a lot of times we find that people actually want to spend more money in retirement than they do when they're working. Well, the other thing too, guys, is, is that most people don't have a clue as to what they spend. I met with somebody recently and they said that they're only spending about two grand a month. They're actually going through their income and finding out what they actually have left over at the end of the month. It was close to like 5,000 a month. So it's really difficult to cut expenses when you have absolutely no clue what you really spend. Well, I'll tell you what, that just leads to another problem because people don't want to know, Chris. You don't want to go on a diet and you don't want to put together a budget. It's human nature, just the way it is. But that leads to another problem saying, I guess it'll all work out because, you know, when mom and dad die, I inherit all their money. Oh, Chris, our problems are solved. Thanks, Bob. I'm relieved. For a second there, I thought I was going to have to work for another 10 years. Well, you know, you guys know I'm a big fan of Warren Buffett. And I read in his book the other day that you should give all of your money to charity and let the kids stand on their own two feet. Yeah, especially if that charity's name's Liam. He said anything about grandchildren. He's just talking about children. No more unwise words were spoken. But no, it's true. And, you know, you don't want to rely on the inheritance because, A, you don't know what's going to happen to that money because, again, people are living longer now. So an inheritance you expect it to get could get eaten up by healthcare costs, right? Or a lot of times we'll see the money you thought you were going to get could go to somebody else. I've seen that happen. That surprise is not a good surprise to have. So, you know, you want to run your numbers, your financial independence plan based on like assuming the worst, right? The worst case scenario that you're not going to get an inheritance, that you're going to spend the same amount of money, maybe even more. Inflation is going to double over the next 20 years. That's the way you run a plan. You want to stack the cards against you. Yeah, without a doubt, right? But that's the key because you want to be certain that you are diversifying the risk in your portfolio because when you don't do any planning, you just look at your statement and say, oh, it's up. It must be good. And then 90% of the people that I interview when they come into work with us, I said, well, why do you own XYZ or why do you own this mutual fund? Well, you know, the investor advisor that sold it to me told me it was good. Well, that's not a way to plan for your retirement and for your lifestyle needs. You know, you need a little more effort and you need to make sure that you start with the foundation. That's the only way to go. You know, another notion that I hear a lot is, you know what, we don't need to plan. We'll just figure it out on the spot. And you know what, the biggest problem with that is things like you mentioned before, having like an unanticipated healthcare situation or not anticipating that you're going to spend a little bit more in retirement or not factoring in things like inflation. You know, that could be a big problem and it could lead to a financial failure rather than a success. Yeah, it could lead to things being titled improperly. You might end up having your money, your inheritance, go to somebody you don't like anymore. Or, you know, you might have a somebody who's a guardian of your children or grandchildren that doesn't talk to the family any longer. I mean, it's just, planning is not just about dollars and cents. It's about really looking at every aspect of your life in a holistic planning approach. Well, speaking of people you don't like anymore, Dad, I noticed that Ryan's still on as your beneficiary. Yeah, but you know, Chris, you've seen on my beneficiary forms, I use a pencil so I can erase it at any time. <laughs> it's good to know. It's good to know. But no, that's a really good point because you know, it's the planning you do. It's the compounding effect of that planning that you do because it sucks when someone comes into our office and then maybe they're in their 60s, they haven't done planning before. And we just look back and we look at all the missed opportunities they could have had over like the last 5, 10, 15 years. 
you know, think about like just from a tax perspective, the little things you do incrementally year after year, I mean, that could be hundreds of thousands of dollars in retirement in your pocket, not the government's by just making little tweaks along the way. I mean, that's the reason you don't want to wait because there are probably little things that end up being big things in your favor if you get on it, or conversely, those little things that you miss become big things that you totally blow it on if you don't address these issues. Guys, I only have one last thing to say. Do the plan and then deal with all the extra wealth you're going to create because of the smart moves you make today. That's got a problem I want to have. Bob, Chris, and I now have a collective 75 years, that's right, 75 years, helping individuals just like you with your planning and investing. This is all we do literally every single day. Everything you hear on this podcast, along with some due diligence of your own, can help you get ahead financially literally at any stage of your journey. But if you're thinking you want a more hands-on approach, get a full analysis of everything you're doing, and if you've saved over $750,000 saved for your financial independence plan, Bob, Chris, and I will run for you our total financial master plan, and we'll do that with no obligation or cost. There's no other firm out there that will do this work up front. We'll go through every holding that you have. In fact, we're going to build you your own personalized financial portal, and we're going to hone in on everything from an income plan. How are you factoring in inflation? How are you going to make sure you don't run out of money? We're going to look at diversification. What underlying risks do you have in your portfolio? Do you have too much money in tech? Or you've been sitting in cash just trying to figure out what to do knowing that your money is getting eroded by purchasing power because inflation is going up. We'll put together a full investment game plan to try to grow your money, but most importantly, protect it. And we'll look at fees and taxes. There's so many high fees in the investment world. They love to sell you on Wall Street. We'll show you how to reduce all the costs on your portfolio, optimize your portfolio for taxes. So there's more money in your pocket. Again, if you have over $750,000 saved for retirement and you want a more hands-on approach, a full review at no cost, go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review. All right, it's the hidden facts of finance. Random financial facts that may surprise you or even shock you. All right, Bob. Southeast Asia, a dynamic growth belt that sprawls from Malaysia to the Philippines, is ditching pandemic restrictions at last, promising an economic rebound for 650 million or so citizens, double the uh, population of the U.S. Regional giant Indonesia is looking for gross domestic product expansion of above 5% for 2022. The Philippines, number two by population, is looking to grow 7% this year, way faster than the U.S. Sounds like a good place to have some money. So it sounds like you have Southeast Asia is growing faster than the U.S. They got twice the population, so twice the opportunity for consumption and doing business. And the, if you look at the market valuations of the companies in these countries, much lower than the U.S., so it just seems to make sense. You want to have some eggs in other baskets, not just everything in the U.S. basket. And it's amazing. You may look at Malaysia or the Philippines as risky. Guess what the billionaires in Malaysia think? They think the U.S. market's risky. We all have that home you know, field advantage that you know, we have that bias towards investing only in U.S. companies. I think in this case, it's a big mistake. There's opportunities in Southeast Asia right now. Eh, I'm good, Bob. I'm putting all my money in AMC. Sorry. <laughs> Chris, the ProShares Ultra... QQQs, that's three times leverage on the NASDAQ, is the most actively traded exchange-traded product this year, according to FactSet data. More than 119 million shares have changed hands on average daily this year, up 65% from last year, and one of the highest levels of the past decade. Smells like speculations in the air. Yeah, it also sounds like a lot of volatility, and considering that fund's down twice what the S&P's down this year. I don't know. Sounds risky to me, boys. You live by the store, you die by the store. But it also says that I think with that going up, Bitcoin obviously moving up in like around 47,000 as we're 
talking today. Speculation is back. The animal spirits are here again. All right, Bob. Limited supply is helping home values. There are about a million more homes available for sale when mortgage rates last hit 4.5%. 2022 home price appreciation is estimated to hit 12%. Supply is a problem. Supply is a big problem, and uh, demand is everywhere. There's way behind the curve. And I'll tell you, coming out of COVID, it's really something I didn't see. I mean, I expected real estate to go up because it's an inflationary hedge. Boy, I'll tell you what, this is on a path right now that I didn't foresee. And I've spoken to a lot of realtors and developers. They didn't see it coming either. Yeah. And it sounds like housing is not in a bubble, you know, right? We don't have enough supply. Whereas back in the financial housing crisis in 2008, the problem is they overbuilt. Remember all those vacant lots just sitting out there? Crazy how the world changes. All right, Chris. So we have ESG ratings and ESG stands for environmental, social, and governance, meaning some of these funds now that are supposed to be invested in good, quote unquote, didn't pick up the risks around Russia. European companies with big operations in Russia before it invaded Ukraine had significantly higher overall ESG scores and human rights scores than those that stayed away. That's kind of ironic. Well, I guess it's one of those things that you know you really shouldn't base your investment picks based on a rating because you don't really know what they factor in and you know inevitably could hurt your portfolio. Yeah, and who knows? I mean, these ESG ratings are so vague anyway. The only thing I found is Wall Street's able to charge you a higher percentage on products that they say, quote unquote, are ESG. So buyer beware. I think this is just a scheme for Wall Street to make more money, but maybe I'm a cynic. All right, another great show. I hope you enjoyed episode 78, Pain Points of Wealth. If you like our content, love our content, give us a five-star rating. Subscribe on Spotify. If this is on YouTube, give us a like. Click that subscribe button. Click that notification bell. You can be updated every week of all our new content. That's it for today. As always, stay loose and keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to the Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully, you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Brian, and Chris's firm, Payne Capital Management, at BeBullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Payne Capital Management. Information provided on today's show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed.